Hey there, welcome to the podcast, Mastering Social Media for Schools. It's Andrea coming at you live from Wisconsin. Well, live when I record this, right? Whenever you're listening is great. It is September, we're back to school, and there's a lot going on, but we're so glad that you joined us for this podcast interview because you're going to learn a ton about social media. Mia Major is our guest today, and she works at Final Sight. They, they specialize in websites, but they basically specialize in school communications. And Mia is going to dive into, you know, what your social media should look like versus your website, how they kind of work together. Um, she's going to talk about social media really being a highlight reel for your school. She's going to give really sound practical advice on, you know, starting small, um, not trying to be everywhere, you know, really some sanity saving tips that are really, really going to help you. And then she's going to talk about engagement and how to really create content that she calls it, is it thumb stopping good? So um, you're going to love Mia as much as I love her. We're going to dive into all the things uh, in regards to school communications and social media. So without any further ado, let's get started. I'm Andrea Gribble. A Wisconsin mom who got laid off from her corporate career and jumped into entrepreneurship, not knowing exactly where that road might lead. I'm a natural-born cheerleader who discovered a way to cheer on schools through the power of social media. Turns out, social media isn't easy. I had to figure out what I was doing, and now I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. The Mastering Social Media for Schools podcast gives you simple, actionable strategies to celebrate your students and connect your communities through the power of social media. Join me as I pick the brains of experts across the country to bring you the best tips and tricks to make your school social media shine. Today's K-12 PR tip is all about creating better visuals and better images for your social media platforms. Now, I am not a graphic designer, but this tip, this app, helps me look like one. It's called Canva, C-A-N-V-A. It's like the word canvas, but without the S. So canva.com, it's a free platform. It's on your desktop. It's also a, a mobile app, and it makes you look like a designer. There are basically templates that you can choose from. You can create specific sizes for an Instagram post, for a Twitter post. Um, it has text that you can use. You can use your specific school colors. Um, you can actually remove the backgrounds, you know, from some of your photos to really make them stand out. There are just so many options and it's very user friendly. So have you checked out Canva dot com yet. If you haven't, I really invite you to take a look at that because it's going to help you stand out on social media and really be able to take some of the tips that Mia's going to give you to the next level um, and immediately take action. So let's get started now that you've got this great tip with today's interview. Hey, I'm excited to welcome our guest today. Hey, Mia, how are you? 
Hey, Andrea, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Mia, Ma Mia Major from Final Sight is here as our guest today. And her and I could talk about social media and, you know, business, uh, you know, social media all day long. But we decided to hit record, right? And <laughs> We did. And I think we're, we're limited on time. I don't think everyone would want to listen to me for an indefinite period of time. But well, we're whatever time we get today. Yeah, we're going to pack it in uh, today. So for those uh, listeners that might not know who you are, could you just kind of introduce yourself and your, share your background? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mia Major. I am on Final Sight's marketing team. Um, Final Sight is one of the global leaders in a school communications and web design platform. We serve more than 5,000 schools around the world, um, international schools, private schools, public schools. Um, and our goal is to really just help schools uh, tell their school story in their own unique way um, and in an easy way. Um, so I've been at Final Sight for seven years. Um, been here. It was pretty much my first job out of college. Um, prior to that, I was working in TV journalism, radio journalism, and I was also filming weddings and getting my feet wet in photography. Um, but I feel like I put all of that on hold uh, when I realized that I really just loved the world of marketing. Um, and when I really think back, and Andrea, I don't know if we chatted about this last time we talked, but my mom opened up a small business back in 2007. And when she opened up the small business, it was a tanning salon. And I think if we can all remember back to 2007 when tanning was really in, there was a lot of competition for her. And I really wanted to help her get, you know, the tanning salon off the ground and be successful. And I like came home and I was like, mom, I have a genius idea. I was like, we're going to make a Facebook page for you. But this was like before Facebook pages were a thing. Right. So we made her an account, first name Wicked, last name Tan. And I would like make her graphics in Photoshop and like post them. And then I would send them to my friends and ask my friends to share them. And I'm like, I think I invented social media marketing when I was 16 years old. And I'm pretty sure if I was not 16, and if it wasn't for my mom's tanning salon in Springfield, Massachusetts, there probably would have been a little bit more momentum there. But it's fun because I, I feel like I always have those Facebook memories that pop up or it's like 12 years ago today. And it's like a little coupon that I made in Photoshop for the tanning salon. But, you know, I've been a final site for seven years, graduated college in 2013. But I really do like to think that my social media marketing experience stems back to 2007, which is, gosh, 13 years. Um, that's, that's amazing. I didn't even get on Facebook until like 2009, I think. And uh, here you were, like, you were a pioneer and you didn't even, like, realize it. But that's that's the power of being young and kind of growing up with this, right? Because oh, totally. uh, you you were able to use that. Well, that that is, that's cool. So what about, um, you know, what's your role then now specifically at Final Sight? Like, what, what do you specifically work on? Yeah. So I feel like many of your listeners and many individuals who work in school communications, PR marketing, I wear many hats. We have a very small team here at Final Sight, but we do churn out a ton of content. Um, at Final Sight, because we work with schools, a huge piece of what we do is education. Um, we want to educate our clients and non-clients, pretty much anyone in the industry. If you work at a school, we want you to be able to do your job the best you possibly can. 
So I head up our team in terms of content production, uh, free webinars, free events. Um, and not only you know do I head up that team in terms of being able to educate our clients, I'm able to educate our clients because that's what I do at Final Sight. I concentrate on creating content, whether it's um, you know graphics or video or blog content. Um, I manage um, our website content and kind of all of those moving pieces of an online digital marketing and communication strategy. So in one realm, I'm doing it for final site. And then in another realm, I'm educating our clients on uh, and non-clients and how they can implement those same strategies at their school. Um, so it's really fun. It's definitely like a twofold job. It often feels like I'm working a million different jobs at once, but it's super fun to be able to like do something and be like, oh my gosh, I just had this huge revelation on how to do something so much easier and so much better. And now I'm going to go host a webinar on it, or I'm going to host a blog on it, or I'm going to host a Facebook live on it and talk about it. And I think it's cool to kind of be in both realms at Final Fight. Now I know why we get along so well, because that's kind of my role now as running social school for EDU is a lot of content generation. So what can I create? Creating blogs, creating videos, doing webinars to educate everybody, right? I mean, mm -hmm. obviously you have clients that you serve, but but Final Sight has an amazing um, blog, um, mm -hmm. a lot of amazing resources out there. Um, now, Final Sight is a website company, not necessarily a social media company. So, um, and, and this is a podcast on specifically social media, and we're going to talk about that because you've learned a ton. But websites are so important. So, can you kind of share your philosophy on kind of the relationship between social media and website, and what goes on the website, and what goes on social media, and kind of break that down for us? Yeah. So, it's a great question. And I think the relationship between a website, your website, whether it's your district main website, all your individual school websites and social media, it's a symbiotic relationship. Those two entities, even though in a lot of ways they're totally different, are all working towards the same goal to inform, engage, inspire, and unite your community in one way, shape, or form. And what we need to think about in terms of the website versus social media is the website is the center of your communications and marketing. It is the go-to place. It is the number one location where any parent, any teacher, any student, any community member advocate can go there and find something that they need in just a couple of clicks. It should be super organized. It's allowed to be promotional. And it's kind of just that it's the center of the gravitational pull that all of your external entities are. Now, what social media is, is it's one of those areas that can redirect back to your website. And it can, in a lot of ways, be a highlight reel. Um, something, I think a really big difference that we're seeing between websites and social media is on social media, we really encourage our schools and our districts to follow some type of social media rule. Mine is the 70-20-10 rule. So 70% of the posts that you create should be inspirational, educational, fun, you know, promoting your faculty, promoting your students, sharing what's going on in campus. 20% um, should be maybe content that you're sharing from um, other industry experts, whether that's on, you know, uh, distance learning tips, remote learning tips, um, just tips for staying sane while we're all home together. Um, and then that last 10% should be where you promote your community and promote what's going on in your community. 
I think the stark difference between that and your website is because the website's at the center, you are allowed to be full-blown promotional on your website. Talk about what makes you amazing. Talk about all of your events. Talk about what's going on because people are going to your website to look for that. On social media, people are strictly looking to be social, engage. Like when I think of when we're on social media, it's when we all have like, in a lot of these cases, like these are parents with one, two, three, four, five, six kids. They have like three seconds to themselves the entire day. Like I only have one kid and I have about three seconds to myself the entire day. And it's when I'm going to the bathroom for the, alone for the first time all day in that 24 hour span. I don't want to be mar- If I'm on social media, it's because I want to see like a funny dog video or an inspirational quote to get me through the rest of my day. It's not a place where I'm looking to be promoted to. So I think when we think about our website versus social media, I think it's so important to just get into the mindset of who's on social media, when they're on social media. And if we can kind of meet that emotional need on social media, we're, they're going to end up on our website anyways. And I think that if you can build your website, it's kind of being that central information hub. If I'm a parent and I'm like, I need information, I'm going to know to go to the website. And if I'm just scrolling through social media and I see a picture that entertains me or educates me or inspires me, I'm going to be like, I love my school. I love my district. This piece of content is great. And I think that's really the biggest difference is just where people engage with it and how they engage with it. And that doesn't mean you can't put similar or the same content in both places. I think a lot of good communication is just getting in the mindset of who is actually absorbing that and when they're absorbing it and kind of what their mental state would be at that point in time, especially when you take the pandemic into consideration right now. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that, that's really good. Well, I loved what you said when you said the social media is your highlight reel. And that's where you're celebrating. I mean, that's the big portion when you broke down that 70, 20, 10, the 70% is that inspirational, that Mm -hmm. fun, that celebrating. And I think right now we were just talking about this um, in, I have a little membership group of uh, communicators all across the country. And we've really noticed since school started, um, we're starting to pick up some real positivity because people are starting to see some of those pictures. And, you know, whether you're in a distant learning model or you're in, um, in person and most of most anybody that's in person is requiring masks so that of course in, impacts the pictures we're sharing but the the fact that now they can peer in and see what it looks like and see that kids are happy and they're learning and all of that it can really switch the momentum um, and so even though it's challenging like it's still important to get those stories out there Oh, absolutely. I think that's probably the number one question like we're just seeing across the board is like how, like why this doesn't feel like my school story. Like this doesn't feel the same. Like it's kids in masks sitting far apart. Like it's Zoom screenshots. Like this doesn't feel like our school story. And it's like, but it, the fact that you are resilient and the fact that you are getting through this and your community is behind you and happy to come together. Like, I think that's the center of your story whether or not kids are in masks sitting far apart or hugging each other, you know? And I think social media is a great way to bring all of that to life. And I think a way that it can be brought to life too is, you know, engaging with people on social media. So when, when you post something and, you know, a parent comments and is like, oh, love seeing, you know, Jason and Miranda together in class again, and being able to respond and being like, they had so much fun today in Mrs. Jackson's class. Like they were so, you know, they had so much fun being together. I think when you can add that extra level, it just adds that additional human aspect that still might feel lost during this time where we can't all be together. 
Yeah, and that is a challenge, uh, definitely, that, you know, kids are getting dropped off at school, their parents can't walk them in. It's like that definitely there is less connectedness. I mean, now I'm getting ready for, I've got uh, kids in middle school and high school starting sports, and it's really limited to who can go and who can't and how many tickets they get. And um, it's just challenging right now, but social media can be a place where we can bring people together. Absolutely. Um, now schools are often overwhelmed with the thought of social media. I mean, they just have a lot to do and, um, you know, you've, you've got a lot of helpful advice out there, but what would be one or two tips that you would share with our listeners? Yeah. So I think tip number one is start small. I think, you know, the question we get all the time and Andrea, I'm sure you get this a lot is we hear from schools, well, the kids aren't on Facebook. And it's like, well, are you trying to reach the kids? Or are you trying to reach their parents and their grandparents and community stakeholders? Because they are on Facebook. So I think first and foremost, what we want to do in any situation, just to kind of take a step back, um, is to ask ourselves, who are we trying to reach and where do they spend their time? So you don't have to be everywhere and you don't have to be everything to everyone. I love combining like Facebook and Instagram together because the strategies in both of those places are really similar and they're really simple. Um, I also love Facebook and Instagram because the way the algorithms work, you can post one time per day and that is enough. As long as you are consistent and posting one time per day on both of those platforms, your organic reach is going to perform very well. You're going to reach your community with content and you're not going, I think on both of those platforms, the more you post in those organic feeds, let's say upwards of three, four, five times a day, you end up kind of competing with yourself. So I feel like there's often this urge to be like, oh, well, I have to get this piece of information out on Facebook today. I have to post, you know, I got a picture of Susan this morning and now I have this really good picture of Jacob. I want to post it now. It's like, no, 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 wait. Hold that picture of Jacob because you might not have anything to post tomorrow. And I think that is like one of the biggest things that, you know, it's very easy, I think, to go down like that rabbit hole and continue to just want to post as you get content in. But I think for your sanity and for your time and for your resources, just being able to say, okay, my goal every day is once a day on Facebook, once a day on Instagram, anything above that is great, but we really still don't want to see, you know, three, four, five posts a day on either of those platforms, unless it's absolutely necessary. I think during COVID and during those initial months and anytime during a crisis, we're definitely going to see an uptick in frequency. But if you are, you know, if you are slim on resources and you're slim on time, once a day is all it takes. I think another thing when it comes to to being um, to thinking realistically, and I know Andrea, this is something you talk about all the time as well, is not every school in your district <laughs> needs its own Facebook and Instagram. Consolidating to that one main page where people can go to get information—that's what your website is for. And I and like I mean, and I don't mean to kind of go back to that initial question, but the reason that a website exists is to kind of be that center of all your communications, and your social media is meant to be that celebratory highlight reel. And we don't need you know, if you're a district of 80 schools, you don't need 80 different highlight reels that are all being updated in different ways. We need a single center of our communications on our website, and we need this glorious highlight reel that's highlighting all the best things that are happening across all of our schools every day of the week. So I think one, if you follow like the once a day is enough rule, and you follow the one, like one profile per platform is enough rule, you'll see your workload just dissipate <laughs> because all of a sudden you're not trying to post five times a day across 20 different channels. And I think that's where a lot of the stress comes from is that, is that feeling like you have to be everywhere and you really, 
You really don't. Um, and I think we'd see a lot, I think we'd see a lot more quality content on both the website and social media if we all just, you know, turned it back just a little bit and focused. Well, yeah, and work-life harmony and, you know, some of those things are so critical now, especially because we're dealing with so much information and, um, you know, obviously we're still in a pandemic right now. And so that's very, very stressful. Um, I love that advice, you know, starting small, um, you know, actually consolidating some of that, because what you're going to see is if you consolidate some of it, your reach is actually going to increase. Oh, yeah. Um, and and the impact that you're going to make is going to be even bigger uh, than it would if you have, and especially if you have a whole bunch of schools where, you know, maybe the the secretary at that building is trying to put things out there. You know, one building does really good and then another one does, doesn't do as good. And then that, the, the parents in that community start complaining. And oh, um, so it's so it's true. It's, it's so true. And I think, you know, and especially for parents who have kids in multiple schools, it's like there's just this remarkable inconsistency in a lot of cases because it's like, oh, like my son who's at the middle school, they're posting every single day on Instagram. And then it's like my daughter who's in the elementary school, I never see anything. And like, gosh, I want to know what's going on with my daughter. Why don't I see anything? And like, I think too, like when you give people too many tasks, right? If they're responsible for updating the website, the calendar, the news, writing the news stories, doing press releases, talking to the media, posting on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's like, my God. And I think in a lot of those cases, you're just going to pick the easiest. You're like, oh, it's super easy to just get this up on Facebook. I'm going to do that. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's like the right thing to do. So yeah, that's the workload for everyone. <laughs> And you, and you definitely, you know, at Final Sight, if you're working with 5,000 different schools, I mean, you, you kind of have some insight too, but, but we, I have access, direct access to over a hundred schools that, that we kind of work with. Facebook's always number one. Oh, yeah. And that's where you're going to reach the most people. Um, you know, as far as trying to reach students and things, Instagram is my favorite mm -hmm, for that. Mm -hmm. But the two that you mentioned are, I think, very important. And so those are the ones that you should pay attention to first. If you have time to look at LinkedIn or looked at look at YouTube or Twitter and you know maybe Twitter is big in your community but you've got to ask those questions like you said who are we trying to reach and where do they spend their time exactly really good advice okay so um I want to cover just one of the articles I really liked that um, you wrote and you share a lot of helpful blogs. We're going to make sure to link everything in the show notes so people can have access to this. But you talked about the top 12 social media mistakes hurting engagement, and we're not going to go through all 12 of them. Um, but, you know, we already kind of talked about not posting enough or maybe posting too much. Um, but can you just highlight a couple other things that you really see that people are doing that might hurt their engagement? engagement? Yeah, totally. So I think when we think about engagement too, like just to take a step back and define engagement, engagement is, you know, commenting, liking, um, sharing a piece of content, right? So that's really what engagement is. So I think when we look at it in that realm, if you're posting something and no one is liking it, no one's commenting on it. The first thing that we want to do is say, well, is anyone even seeing it? Like, am I reaching, is anyone even seeing this? Am I reaching my audience? Do I not have a lot of fans? Like that's like the first problem that we want to address in any of these cases, because I can tell you that you need better graphics or that you need to write comment, like a better caption or use better emojis. But if you do all of that and you're still just not posting consistently and you don't have a big fan base and maybe even you're not investing in ads to get people to your page to begin with, or you're not linking to it from your website, there's a whole bunch of external factors, which again, when we think about that gravitational pull, 
for thinking of a social media post in the middle of it, what are all the external factors that are going to bring someone there? and have that post at the center. So there's all those little factors, but when we think about engagement in and of itself, there are a few things. So algorithms are always at play and algorithms favor visuals. And when they favor visuals, of course, they favor video over photo and they favor live video over regular video and they favor native video. So video uploaded directly to the platform itself over video that's shared from say like your website or YouTube or Vimeo or any of those video platforms. So First and foremost, if you're not seeing high engagement, I think it's really important to ask yourself, am I sharing good visual content? Like I always call it thumb stopping good. And (laughs) because as you're scrolling through social media, like would my thumb physically stop on your piece of content? And that could be a huge reason why you're not getting engagement. And I think that that at the end of the day, because Facebook and Instagram in particular are so visual, if your pictures are dark, if your pictures are blurry, if they look just like everything else that's appearing in the feed, I might not stop. If you, I think we're all in kind of the situation right now where we're crowdsourcing content. Um, if you're getting dark and blurry photos from your community, a simple thing that you can do is edit them. So up the brightness. Um, another thing that you can do, especially if you have really good brand awareness within your community, is add like a little logo to the corner, do a little splash of color, something on that picture itself. Just so as someone's scrolling through the feed, they might be like, oh, wait that looked like it had, you know, the middle school eagle on it. I'm going to scroll back up and look at that because I might not just recognize, you know, a middle school student, but I'm going to recognize that logo. So I think doing something to improve your visuals in some way, shape or form is definitely going to get you the most mileage when you're trying to increase engagement. (laughs) Another thing I'm going to go back to, I think I'm always a broken record on two things, commenting and Facebook groups. Um, So commenting when someone comments on your post, whether it's just like, hey, good luck today or great job today, you should always respond. The more engagement you have on a post itself, the more likely future engagement is to happen. So you can take the five minutes a day to 15 minutes a day and just respond to any comments people are leaving on your post. That can help increase engagement because people see that you're responding. So, so I have a question on that. So you're saying you're responding as the school, like as the school page, you're commenting back to them? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, do you can respond back as a school page. Um, some other things that I've seen schools and districts do is you might have like a superintendent page. It might not be managed by that superintendent directly, but they kind of want to put a face behind it instead of the school. You can totally do that as well. I just always feel like anytime you add an extra account, you're adding extra work, a different thing to log into. But yeah, just responding as that school or district is totally fine. People like to know that there is a human behind the screen who cares and who can answer their questions. I always, um, Twitter in particular was the platform that really made social media somewhat of a customer service platform. Like if I have something to say or I have a question, I expect an answer in 24 hours or less. Um, And that expectation transcends all social media platforms. Um, So you're going to see an increase in engagement. If people are engaging with you, please reciprocate. You will see an increase of engagement in return. And my second thing that I'm always a broken record on, Andrea, and you know this, is Facebook groups. I love Facebook groups. And I think that they can help in engagement and they can help with that desire to have numerous different Facebook pages in a couple ways. So Facebook groups are great because when you're a member of a Facebook group, you get notifications when a piece of content is posted. That does not happen with a Facebook page unless you like opt into notifications, which is a very manual process. So 
try to get all, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 of the people in your community to opt into, um, you know, getting notifications from your Facebook page. With a group, you're automatically going to get notifications. Because Facebook recently switched its algorithm, I believe two years ago now, to favoring posts from people, any post within a Facebook group is automatically favored in that newsfeed. So again, we can possibly see an uptick in engagement by using Facebook groups to their maximum potential by posting content from maybe our public facing pages and resharing it in that Facebook group to ensure our community can see it. Um, Facebook groups are also great because they can be open or closed. They can be, you know, directly for parents of a certain grade or of a certain school. But again, if engagement is our goal of getting more people to see our content and respond to it is at the end of the day, what our goal is, then a Facebook group can help you achieve that um, without really a ton of extra effort. Because again, we can just be resharing content from our public page in there just to make sure that they don't miss it. And it also provides like a very authentic and real platform for community members to engage with one another, ask questions, and dare I say it, complain, be snarky, but at least it's in a confined private place um, that you can address there and take offline instead of seeing all of those comments on your public facing page as well. Okay, so I have a couple questions. So a couple years ago when Facebook talked about groups and favoring from people, I got the question all the time, well, should our page for our for our district or our school be a group versus a page? So what would you say if, if somebody was saying, well, I don't know whether my page should be a, a true Facebook page, like a business page or a Facebook group, what would your answer be there? Got to have both. And that's why I would definitely okay. try to keep it as simple as you can. So if you have, um, let's say... Richfield Public Schools Facebook page, and that's your Facebook page. You can have a Facebook group that's, you know, parents of Richfield Public Schools. And you could have a member of your PTA manage that group or PTO manage that group, whatever it is, um, and have a few ambassadors in there who can kind of take content from your main page, reshare it in there to make sure it's not missed, and even share some content themselves. I think that's another thing that we keep hearing from schools right now is, you know, I'm not getting any content from my community, you know, and we're, we're at a time where like, I need, I need the pictures of like the little girl at her laptop with the dog on her lap. Like I need that picture for my social media channel. It's also a really good place to kind of aggregate and get some of that content to then again, share on your public, public facing page. So I think that you can make them work together in a really good way. So at Final Sight, for example, like we have the Final Sight brand page, which is all about building, you know, brand awareness about Final Sight, sharing knowledge. But then we also have our school marketing community Facebook group, which is Facebook group anyone can join. And it's just a place to ask questions and engage. And actually, we don't promote anything in that group. We just allow conversations to happen organically. But what I love about that is it just gives our clients, our non-clients, schools around the world to connect and ask the questions that they have. And then I like it because I see the questions that they're asking and I can then address it, whether it's in a webinar or a blog or a conversation or reach out to that client directly. And I think districts could see groups in that same way. If you see a lot of parents asking the same question or complaining about something, you can address it in your communications. If everyone's complaining about your newsletter, you can then fix your newsletter. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity to improve your marketing and communications just on another level if you open up to those groups. But I know a lot of people are nervous about Facebook groups. I <laughs> Well, and I was just going to say that I've got so many people coming out and saying, oh my gosh, we have the 
because now we're in a time right now where everybody's vocal, right, about oh, yeah. what they don't like. And um, we're in an election year and all of the things. But so many people are just like, what do we do with this Facebook group? They're so negative, And I don't know whether I should respond or people. I even got it yesterday where um, a, a school communicator was like, I keep getting tagged. Like they tag my personal page, like asking me questions. And I don't know how to balance all of that. So there's a lot of nervousness. But you're basically saying get proactive and actually set up a page that's kind of almost sponsored by the school. But I want to, I want to be careful because these school communicators and, and some of them are just like a, a, a secretary oh. and not just a secretary, but like they have a lot of different roles. And even as a school communicator, you have so many roles besides just social media. So you're not necessarily saying take that on yourself, but maybe it's kind of a school sponsored page. You grab a couple, um, people that can help act as moderators and then it's in a little bit more of a controlled environment than just the page down the street that they all they do is complain um those still can exist but there's always going to be the plate like i there's always going to be someone who wants to complain and someone who wants to complain publicly but i think what i really like about facebook groups during this time is it gives people a safe outlet to discuss their questions comments concerns and i think what you'll grow to realize is you know, if one mom has a question or a concern and she wants to voice it in there, there could be four or five moms who previously had that concern, but have already addressed it and can now give some sound advice. And that's all happening again in a safe and secure place. I think what we don't want to happen, I know, I know, Andrea, you're a huge fan of celebrating what's going on in the district. I think we are still somewhat in a time that, that no matter how hard we try to celebrate, there is going to be some negativity. I think that there's people everywhere who are unhappy no matter what you do. We're in school. We're not happy about it. We're at home. We're not happy about it. We're hybrid. We're not happy about it. And they want a place to vocalize it. And they're just going to take to social media because it's easy. And we don't want that to take away from all the amazing things that our teachers are doing, that our faculty are doing, that our students are doing. Like we have students who are overcoming incredible hardships and we want to celebrate those stories. We don't want some angry mom who's upset that her kid has to socially distance at lunch, commenting on the Facebook page and detracting from that. So let's just like, we know those people exist. And if they do comment on your public facing page, I do always recommend to at least address it, take it offline and whatnot. But I think if we give everyone a safe space to have their feelings and have their emotions that are totally real and valid, it just is a better place for them to happen that doesn't detract from all the celebrations and amazing content you're trying to share during this time. Definitely. And you brought up a great thing. There there may be some pictures shared in that Facebook group that you could then pull over to your actual public facing, you know, kind of page. Um, do you recommend that you just ask for permission and just say, hey, I'd like to share this on the page? Yeah, I would, especially um, I would imagine that most schools have, you know, social media policies and communication policies and photo policies. Um, but this year, as always, looks a little bit different. So if some parents, especially if we're working remotely, might not want you know, the picture of the student where they're sitting because you can see the location of the door and the television. And, you know, we always have to take safety into consideration there. So I would always recommend just asking ahead. I never thought I would be the crazy mom that said, please don't post pictures of my child online. But I'm the crazy mom that signed all the stuff to please don't post pictures of my child online <laughs> when I sent my son off to daycare this year. Um, so I can relate. I'm like, I used to be like, who wouldn't want their beautiful child on social media? I'm like me. I am that person. Do not post my beautiful child on social media. He can only be seen on my private accounts by close friends and family. <laughs> I am now that mom. 
Yeah, and you, you can respect that. Yeah. He's still pretty young. So, um, well, time's flying, Mia. Like we said, we could probably we talk did. all day. Um, I wanted to make sure to give a plug to an, a really exciting event you have coming up at Final Site in October. Um, and it's completely free, right? Yes. So we are huge in like the free content realm. Like I just believe that education should be available to everyone. I think I'm often the person who's like, you're giving too much away for free, but I'm very much Oprah Winfrey in the world of best practices. I'm like, you get a best practice and you get a best practice and you do. And I do, everyone can get it (laughs) totally for free. Um, So yeah, so we are hosting our second school marketing day. Um, and don't let the name deceive you. I know in the world of district communication, sometimes marketing is kind of like that, ooh, like word, like we don't market, we just communicate, but hear me out. We hosted a school marketing day, a school marketing day for Asia Pacific and a district communications day back in April, all totally free events. Each event was between six and eight hours long. Um, and we hosted, my God, so many sessions. We had so many amazing speakers that we decided to just consolidate. And between all those three events, more than 4,000 people joined us. So, um, you know, over 400 dist- or over 500 district communicators um, joined us for District Communications Day. And then quite a few also still joined us for the other two school marketing days as well. Um, so we see a lot of school professionals come together for that event. And we're like, you want to know what? Like, let's make one huge, epic school marketing day. So that's what we're doing. So on October 29th, from 9am Eastern to midnight, we are hosting um, a global school marketing day. Um, It has numerous tracks. Um, We're going to have a big talks track, which will have numerous different keynotes. Um, Americus Reed will be speaking. Um, Leslie Bruinton, who's the president-elect of ENSPRA. Um, Andrea, you're speaking. Um, We have Jake Sturgis of Captivate Media and Consulting speaking. Um, Chelsea and Janet from CEL will also be speaking. So we have an amazing lineup of speakers There are, I believe, five or six tracks. We might be working in an extra one um, in more than 50 sessions. Again, all totally for free. Um, Best practices on social media, web design, email communications, video, like you name it, School Marketing Day has it. We are like so jazzed about this day. We work so hard to just have an opportunity to connect with schools around the world and connect them to each other, which is the last key part of School Marketing Day. There is an entire 15-hour track of live networking and Q&A sessions. So you can hop in at any point during the day and just connect with other people like yourself, ask questions, and all of those will always be moderated by one of our in-house experts. So if you have a specific question that you need answered, there'll always be someone from our team of consultants there to answer it for you. So I'm really excited about it. I'm like, I've been working on the microsite and the content for it all week. And it's just like, it is so incredible. I just think during this time to provide something to look forward to besides Christmas, because Christmas is too far away. I feel like school marketing day is like, it's right before Halloween. It's like my next thing to look forward to. It's going to be great. Um, and I would, I would love to just see it bigger and better than ever before, just from the aspect of attendees. I mean, you all can get together and just talk and take a break from work, whether it's for an hour or all 15. 
whatever you want to do. Right. That That's awesome. So it's happening October 29th. You can sign up. It's free. Um, all of those topics. And, you know, Leslie's been a guest on this podcast. Jake's been a guest on this podcast. Uh, Janet just hosted a fantastic webinar for um, my uh, clients in July, which was incredible about going back to school among all the uncertainty. So you've got some great speakers. And uh, are you doing any sessions too, Mia? Yeah. So I will probably be doing um, a couple of sessions on um, like landing page creation and some inbound marketing strategy, which I know um, inbound marketing might be um, still new in the school space, but we're seeing it catch on a little bit more and more. It's kind of goes back to what we discussed very early on in the podcast is figure out where your audience is and just creating content that meets them where they are um, kind of in their present state of mind. So it's um, the theory of, you know, getting the right piece of content in front of the right person at the right time. That's what I love talking about. (laughs) Um, so, and I think it's super important now more than ever, because there's so much noise, just cutting through the noise is really what, um, we've been focusing on a lot here. Um, in our content creation. So. Absolutely. And and I've been a part of your some of your free events and they are always awesome. So please um, check that out in the uh, show notes and get signed up. Uh, you won't, you know, you can come away with two, three things that are going to make your job easier. That's like totally worth it. Um, and you can stay up till midnight if you want. Uh-huh. Uh, and Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, I will not be up till midnight. I have a talker. Right. I'm always like, I'm like, I'm like, we're doing this until midnight. Um, I'm logging off no later than 4 p.m. I don't know what's happening between 4 p.m. and midnight, but I will be making mac and cheese and going to sleep. That is good. That's good work-life harmony there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mia. You gave our listeners so much to think about and learn and just take uh, back to their schools. And I really appreciate your time. We'll make sure to link all of the blogs and uh, um, things in the show notes uh, so they can grab uh, grab all of that. If they wanted to follow you, Mia, are you out there on social media yourself? Not really. No. I mean, I have an Instagram, but it's very oh. it's very much riddled with uh, pictures of my dog and child. So not too much interesting going on there. But in terms of the world of final site best practices, um, finalsite.com slash blog and finalsite.com slash resources is a great place to grab um, content that I've worked on. And then actually myself and my colleague, Kristen Doverspike, host a weekly school marketing show on Final Site's Facebook page. Um, so I guess you can reach me in all all things final site, but that that'll be good. And then would it be okay to share your email address with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they want to reach out because yeah, my inbox is always open. Okay, so we'll link that in the show notes as well. Um, well, thanks again, and thanks for listening, you guys. Keep up the great work out there, and with all of your school communications, we're here to help, and we will see you next time. Bye, bye, Mia. Bye. Well, that's a wrap. Another episode of our podcast. I hope you learned a lot. And if you did, you should hit subscribe, right? Have you subscribed to this podcast yet? We come out with new content every single Monday. We're interviewing great guests. We're uncovering great tips that are going to help your school. Hit the subscribe button. And if you haven't left me a review yet, love to hear from you there. So just hit a review. Now in the show notes, you can actually sign up for my newsletter. You guys, socialschoolforedu.com. We've been serving schools since 2014. We just focus on social media. And if you want helpful videos and blog articles and links to other helpful content, you're going to want to be on that free newsletter. So check that out in the show notes and get signed up today. 
socialschoolforedu.com is our website. You can check out more of what we offer there. My mission is to help schools celebrate what's going on in their districts with social media. We work with public schools. We work with private schools. We work with charter schools. um, And we share all of our experience through free content and through some paid services, which include a membership program, a webinar pass. Um, We even do full management for schools. We just want to make social media and celebrating schools easier. So you can check out more at our website, socialschoolforedu.com. Until next time, guys, keep telling those stories.